0: Welcome back to Chronicles of a Psychonaut. This is your host, Finch. Thanks for all the great feedback on episode one. I'm really glad you guys enjoyed it. You can reach me at Chronicles of a Psychonaut on Facebook and Instagram, and Finch can Fly on Twitter. Love to hear what you guys think about the episodes, and I'm always listening, so speak up. Today's episode is about Cacao. And I'm joined by my guest, Sina Schellenberger. We talk about how she left her job at Google to pursue an interest in plant medicine and how she experienced indigenous ceremonies in South America, first with cacao and eventually with ayahuasca. So please welcome Sina and enjoy this intro music sung by Sina Schellenberger herself. Here today with Sina Schellenberger, and she organizes cacao retreats and group work to help people get in touch with their emotions and open their heart. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we've been touching base for a couple months now. You were in Guatemala, I believe, and then Peru. Mm-hmm. I was in Asia, mm-hmm. and we finally made it. Yeah. So, um, what were you doing in Guatemala and Peru, You were leading retreats there?
1: So in Guatemala, it was really a deep study around cacao. So I, um, went down and went to Cosmic Convergence Festival and was a part of the first cacao sanctuary they've had there. Mm-hmm. So we provided a, an experience, a space for people to experience cacao rituals in different formats. So medicine song, circles, or yoga, or morning rituals. Um, so I helped create that and lead some of the the workshops. Okay. And then I spent five days on a cacao farm for a gathering called Cacao Convergence, and then also spent three days living with um, a Mayan elder and his daughter, who are both wisdom carriers and did a bunch of deep journeying and learning with them which was really special.
0: So we should probably tell people what is cacao in case somebody doesn't know.
1: Yeah yeah so cacao is the foundational ingredient in chocolate Um, and when we when I'm speaking about cacao I'm referring to ceremonial cacao. So cacao has been used as a tree that originates from Central and South America and it's been used as a heart medicine for at least 4,000 years that we know of by um, people indigenous to Central America and South America. So going back to the Olmec, pre-Olmec, Aztec, Mayan, Inca, you, you can find it in various lineages. And uh, when when it's grown with intention and care and love and prepared and processed in a way that... Um, maintains all of the superfood and beneficial compounds in the actual cacao bean, um, we can experience very physical um heart opening mm-hmm. from from drinking it in higher dosages. And um it really can amplify our experience and we can go various ways with it. But, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So when we talk about heart opening or like um it being good for the heart, we're talking about the emotional heart or it's kind of, would you, would you agree that the heart as sort of, um, I mean, certainly there is, I, I feel personally a lot of emotions centered in the, in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the heart is somewhat of a symbol of the emotional body as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess I want to just sort of introduce that perspective of heart healing mm-hmm. even as a thing to do. Um. Uh, so what What is the experience of Heart opening what does that feel like or mm-hmm. you know, have you Have you facilitated a retreat for somebody or had a, a new client who? Hasn't experienced heart opening before maybe they were open to the idea but didn't really have the tangible experience of it mm-hmm. and You know what what is that like?
1: Yeah, so it's it's a process of letting go of the need to know. So I think of the heart as Grand Central Station for, you know, it's the center of all of our, our energetic centers. So yeah. if we're talking about the chakras, the heart's the one in the center of the lower and the upper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also kind of anchoring in our our physical body across all our other bodies that are in other dimensions or states. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we in this society are so used to and conditioned to focus on what we know or what we understand from an intellectual level. Mm -hmm. And um, cacao can help us let go of that need to understand so much and drop into the feeling state. So, There can be an experience of, um, feeling a deep love for myself or the person, um, that we've never accessed before or feeling deep grief or, you know, it's, it's like, like you said, it's kind of the heart of the emotional body. And so it can unlock these things that we have a lot of defenses up or barriers to in our, in our daily life Mm -hmm. that are hard for us to, to access
0: right yeah yeah I think that we as a western society as an American society deeply suffer from our inability or unwillingness to feel I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say inability to feel but unwillingness to feel Uh, especially painful emotions but even just uh, intense emotions in general And we certainly do have a tendency to stuff those down and repress them, Mm -hmm. escape. And in my personal experience of cacao, it does have a very gentle way of bringing those emotions up to the surface Mm -hmm. in a way so that you can not only access them, but work with them Mm -hmm. to to release them in a way that doesn't feel as scary.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a piece there too about the story that we tell ourselves so I think when we're coming when we're having a hard time dropping into our heart or we're having an emotion arise and we're trying to over explain it or over understand it that can detract from the feeling and experiencing of the emotion that's coming up Mm -hmm. and like you said cacao is this kind of gentle yet powerful way to help us access it and work with it and not need to grasp on to any story necessarily. Sometimes stories are helpful for healing. A lot of times we can allow the emotion to move through us and that's simple, simply it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people are surprised to learn that chocolate essentially can do this. And, um, it's not chocolate in the form of Hershey bars or things like that. It's Mm -hmm. certainly very different, sort of raw form of chocolate, but you know, it's, um, it's a very active experience, but it's not a psychedelic plant. It's not psychotropic in the way that marijuana or ayahuasca or other plants are, and it's perfectly legal. Mm -hmm. Um, ceremonial cacao can be ordered or experienced through people like you or other people who hold cacao ceremonies. Right. So how did you how did you get into this path of becoming a healer in general or be, um, learning to work with cacao?
1: Yeah, so I we used to work in the corporate world in Silicon Valley. I was at Google, very different. What did you do? Person, um, I was a program manager, so similar to a project manager, and I worked on. Various teams. I worked on Google Glass. If uh-huh. you remember that, yeah, I do. Um, and some other hardware teams and marketing teams. Yeah, I was there for five years. So cool. It's a journey. Um,
0: was that was that fun? Would you say? Is that a? F- I mean, Google is. Uh,
1: it was all of the things. All everything. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was great. I mean, it was. Yeah, Google is a great company to work for. Um, mm-hmm. It was also, you know, a, a corporate job. Sure. So I wasn't really in tune with my own source or my own kind of soul work, I mm-hmm. would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was there, uh, got into yoga teacher training. That was the opening of my path. So yoga was my way in. And I found myself through various synchronistic events um, in a small town in Mexico on a trip. And I met a friend there who's now a dear sister of mine. And she invited me to a cacao ceremony on my last, the night before we left. And I, this was in 2015. I had never heard of this before. I was like, chocolate? Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I went and it was a really, really potent ceremony. Um, I found out later it was the closing ceremony for this yoga teacher training group when they normally wouldn't let in external people, because that's kind of a sacred container. For mm. some reason, they let us in, and it was a full-on shamanic ceremony. So there was um, rapé, like tobacco snuff being served, and some other things happening, and um, ikaros, like medicine songs. And it was also during a hurricane. Uh, hurricane Patricia was going on on the coast, and we were 10 feet from the ocean on this platform. So it was, you know, wind and waves and... Yeah. Power, 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 power. So that ceremony just changed my whole life. Um, I felt such a strong connection from a place of not knowing, you know, I didn't Mm. understand what this was. It was my first time ever experiencing a shamanic ceremony Mm -hmm. and I just fell in love. Like when the second I, I drank the cacao, I just felt such bliss and such joy. And then um, I felt an unraveling of physical tension and anxiety. Literally, I felt my body just kind of twitching and moving it out. Um, and I went home from that trip feeling like a, a new person. There was something very something had shifted. My roommate, who was one of my best friends, uh, right when she saw me, I walked in the door and she goes, "Cena, your anxiety's gone." Um, And yeah, from that moment, that was a very pivotal moment where I felt my whole life just go a totally different direction.
0: And would you say, like looking back, would you say that your time at Google and even before that, did you, do you have sort of an, did you have an inclination in that direction or was this like completely new? Like you had, you know, did you really have an awareness of shamanic ceremonies or
1: it was pretty new yeah the yoga i was probably doing yoga for maybe i don't know six months before this so i was i yoga was my first opening into spirituality Mm -hmm. but yeah it was it was a brand new
0: world so it was like a full 180 yeah yeah okay and so you had this experience Mm -hmm. and then what happened next
1: so that group that led the cacao ceremony I spoke to them after and I was like, I don't know what that was, but I need, I need more. I need to know more about this. And they were offering a a 300 hour, which is the next level of yoga teacher training in Peru 10 months later that also incorporated ayahuasca and washuma as well as cacao. Mm -hmm. So I proceeded to over the next eight months, quit my job, sell all my things Buy one of my tickets to Peru. I knew I knew that I once I went on that one month training and was in Peru and did all that deep work, I wouldn't want to come back. Mm -hmm. Um so I That's bold. I
0: left. Super bold. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you just got fully on the train. Yeah. And so you went down so how it took how long did you say? Eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Eight to ten months.
0: And then so you went and sat with ayahuasca for the first time, mm-hmm. and how how did you um, how did you make your way there? Did you just uh, look online for a retreat center, or?
1: So I went. It was with the people that I did my cacao ceremony oh, with right. in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I felt, um, you know, at the time I didn't know anything about that world, mm-hmm. and I felt re- I resonated with them. I trusted them, and I went. Um, and I could talk more about the importance of knowing who you're doing that work with.
0: That is very important. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: We can, yeah, we'll get around to yeah. that. Okay. So tell me about, uh, your retreat experience with ayahuasca.
1: Yeah. So it was very powerful. Um, if anyone's done a yoga teacher training, you know that the yoga teacher training itself is a deep A deep journey into your into yourself into your shadow into unraveling all the layers so I was doing an intensive yoga teacher training I'm in Terrapoto which is close to the Amazon a pretty harsh environment and then we have the shamanic plant medicine aspect to it so looking back I don't know if it was necessary to do all of those things at the same time in one month. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it was perfect. It was my path, but, um, it was really intense and it's taken me a long time to integrate that. Um, so we had two ayahuasca ceremonies a week apart. My first ceremony was the most challenging, darkest, intense, scary night of my life. Um, facilitated a deep, deep, Many deep ego deaths. Um, a cacao ceremony later, in the week brought me back. I was pretty depressed and confused. Cacao brought me back to my heart, and then we had our second ceremony. And uh, I decided to sit in that one because I, I figured that since I had already experienced something so challenging and got through it, that it couldn't be worse than that. Mm-hmm. And I and I felt a deep need to try again and just understand try and understand more of what how ayahuasca works and and understand her
0: yeah yeah um did you do any research into ayahuasca did i mean were you aware that dark experiences could be had before going in
1: i did um yeah i started getting into plant medicine and also i should mention in that time frame when i was leaving google and transitioning I was going deep into cacao in my own practice, so I had ordered ceremonial cacao and was working with it deeply in myself. So, I was opening into the whole idea of plants as medicine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was learning about plants as spirits and doing some research. Um, and I felt the fear of knowing that it could be really intense; that it, it was something to take very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I also feel like I was somewhat naive. Mm -hmm. in a way and I I don't know how much you can really prepare
0: (laughs) totally yeah 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 you can sneak up to the edge of the cliff and look over as long as you want but uh, you can't prepare for the feeling of leaping right right but and I think that that is that's certainly scary for a lot of people but there is tremendous value in taking that leap and I've had some, I've had some scary experiences too, Mm -hmm. but, and some unpleasant experiences, Mm -hmm. but, you know, so many people are afraid of having a bad trip, Mm -hmm. as they call it. But, I think that there's tremendous value in even having those scary experiences. I think that, um, if you are, if you're willing to commit to the experience and, you know keep open and keep listening and keep breathing and you work through it and not like close up and shell off into mm-hmm. yourself um you can you can discover things through those experiences and um personally i wouldn't say i've ever had a bad trip even mm. though i've had i've right. had scary experiences because i've always in fact the most difficult experiences are the ones that have probably taught me the most
1: mm-hmm. absolutely i mean it it was the hardest, most challenging, you know, night of my life. And it, it changed my life immensely. Mm-hmm. You know, it was such a, a rebirth. It was, uh, yeah, I, I don't regret it. Mm. You know, it, it wasn't, I don't even know if I would call it a bad trip either. It was mm-hmm. just like really, really powerful.
0: So what occurred in that first ceremony? Give us a little detail of like yeah. what that oh, man. what that deep dive was like.
1: I So looking back, I went in with a lot of fear. I didn't really know how scared I was. Um, and so I think I was holding a lot. And um, they instructed us at the beginning. Everyone does ceremony and serves the medicine differently. In this one, they instructed us to drink some water after we had some of the medicine. And I didn't drink any water um and later what i was told by the maestra the medicine woman that we were working with was that um, i didn't drink enough water and i took a small dose and i had a really big block in my kind of lower energy centers like my my stomach and my um womb and the medicine kind of got stuck there. Mm -hmm. And so let's see, how do I just, how do I summarize the ceremony? I, there was a period where I got totally lost and overtaken by dark geometric shapes and lost myself. Um, There was a period where I told myself or the story occurred that I needed to hold my breath for a certain period of time and reach some sort of threshold before ayahuasca would allow me to purge Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um that was a big portion and it was pretty scary looking back um and then at the end I finally asked for help because I hadn't purged I was still so deeply in it and there was another hour and a half of the whole shaman team supporting me helping me drink water singing to me taking me to the bathroom just the whole thing um and I was really confused mm-hmm. after all that had happened the next day, the next few days. Um, and then I, I started to learn some really valuable lessons from what happened.
0: Mm-hmm. What did you learn?
1: Um, I think the big one, one of the biggest ones was that experience of holding my breath and thinking that I had to do this thing so that um, ayahuasca would let me breathe or let me purge. I learned, I saw how I totally gave up my power and surrendered my power and to the point where it was, I was willing to die in a way Mm -hmm. because I thought that that's what ayahuasca wanted and that was a story I was creating for myself. And so it was a really big lesson in wanting to live and, and realizing that I need to I need to advocate for myself in my life. I need to push back or I need to stand up for myself. Um, and the, the amazing thing about working with ayahuasca is that you can, I will never forget that lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was ingrained in my cells yeah. and, and that is something very unique to that way of working.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. That's a good point. And it, it, you know, I never really thought about this, um, or at least kind of put it into these terms, but plant medicines have a way of teaching us by high, like it's so tangible, um, like our, our negative patterns, negative thoughts, the way that we work with our energy and close off, um, what that actually does to us on an you know on a daily basis but maybe we can't feel it it puts it into tangible terms Mm -hmm. where you know if you are in an ayahuasca especially but other plants do this as well but you know um you get to experience how you're creating your own suffering Mm -hmm. by holding your breath and by tightening up and Because it provides this pressure and this energy that wants to flow through you Mm -hmm. and it encourages you to open up just to Yeah, it's just like you learn how to open your own channels to let this energy flow through you, right? And it does have a way of impressing itself upon you of like hey, you know, you're doing this all the time. You're closing off your energy all the time. You're creating suffering all the time. Mm-hmm. But maybe you're just so caught up in your life, you don't realize it. But I've had a similar experience too mm-hmm. where um, it's like now I know that if, I, if I'm experiencing something just in my daily life that is um, causing me pain, a painful relationship or whatever, I know that I have to open up and actually feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to actually get them, get that 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 energy basically to flow through you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that and you're just like, fuck this person, I don't wanna think about this, let me go distract myself. You're creating more suffering for yourself.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so you were in this kind of confused place after mm-hmm. the ceremony and then you drank cacao couple days later.
1: Mm-hmm. So we were still in a yoga teacher training. So yeah, I was floating, just disconnected, confused, depressed, didn't understand what happened, why it happened that way. Um, and I, I think maybe three days later, we woke up for a morning practice of yoga, 6am. And uh, I was on my mat, we we're in the Maloka, And I think I was in child's pose. And I I think I smelled what I thought was cacao and like popped my head up and they had put cacao as a surprise on everyone's mats. And so it was a cacao yoga flow. And I just started crying and cried the entire yoga class. (laughs) Like I, it it was such a homecoming. It was just all those feelings of confusion and doubt um, were able to move through Mm. because cacao literally reminded me that there is love in the world. Like I was in a place where I couldn't connect to that for a while and um so i drank the cacao we did the i cried a lot and then we ended up the the last part of the class was to do a, a walking meditation in silence and that walk i i can't really explain it it was just so profound it was literally a rebirth it was a reawakening of all the the density and trauma and whatever that i had shed all the holding and tension that i'd shed in that ayahuasca ceremony. And then working with the cacao, reconnecting with my heart, feeling my breath, feeling the magic of being alive in this new experience of myself um, was life changing. And I ended up walking at, all the way to this lagoon that we had on the land and just took off my clothes and just dove in. And it was a huge moment of rebirth for mm-hmm. me. Yeah.
0: Was this in the jungle? Yeah. Yeah. Okay cool. Mm-hmm. And so feeling refreshed and renewed, how did, how was it to go into the second ayahuasca ceremony? Did you did you feel more prepared or did you feel nervous?
1: I felt much more prepared and I felt um I think there was definitely some nerve, some nerves much less than the first ceremony. You know, I was kind of coming from this place of okay, I changed my whole life came down here that's not going to be my only experience i need to i really want i need to try this one more time i need to go in and understand if this is a medicine i should continue working with you know just have some have another shot yeah and um and i also was you know had the peace of drinking some water paying a little more attention to the instructions and i knew what it was like so i i you know it was I was able to prepare and to remember to come back to my breath more and mm-hmm. and to work with work with it more instead of just being totally surrendered in a in a way of being a victim
0: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, more of a participant than, exactly yeah. right so did you did you I mean I imagine you had, had a much different experience the second time you feel yeah. like what did you what did you feel like you you got at that deeper level
1: uh, it was that one was really magical um I I've I really got to commune communicate with her mm-hmm. um with her spirit I you know I felt um I felt how she communicates through the body and she showed me things and I just got a lot of downloads and a lot of clarity um on all sorts sorts of crazy things. Um, but yeah, I felt a a huge victory after that one. Mm -hmm. You know, it was still, there was moments of challenge and, you know, there's moments of discomfort. Um, but it, it was a complete one hundred and eighty from my first experience.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, what are some of the things that you like maybe highlights that you took away?
1: Yeah, there's two. Um, one was I received the, very clear guidance to go to Costa Rica which was not on my path I was going to travel down keep going in South America um but that was really clear to me and I ended up going there not way sooner than I was expecting and that was a whole another beautiful healing chapter for me um so that one was big and then this one's kind of funny but it's related to that first ceremony where I mentioned the holding in my lower chakras and low belly and um. so if I can tell a little like a detailed story of course yeah so the I was wearing these kind of tight these Lululemon leggings that were pretty tight on my core mm-hmm. and that's just what I wore I mean that's how I how I dressed so I was wearing those in ceremony and every time so there's you know the periods where the purge comes on or where you feel nauseous and you're you're working through something and you're like, okay, I'm I'm going to need to vomit pretty soon. And every time that would happen, I would pull my pants down because I felt like I needed space in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And after probably the fourth time, I just had this moment of like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I hope I can swear on this. Podcast. You can. Okay. Um, but it was just this very real moment of like, why am I wearing these tight pants that don't let me move in the way that i need to move and um i just it was super clear it was a very tangible felt experience of how that blocks off my energy flow Mm -hmm. and um after that ceremony i ended up giving all of my lululemon leggings (laughs) away to my friend on the retreat and you know started that initiated this whole um exploration of my feminine feminine energy and flow and wearing more flowing clothing and um yeah one of the big messages and part of why Costa Rica was uh recommended was to experience pleasure and just enjoy the pleasures of life Mm -hmm. and um yeah it was it was big
0: okay so did you go right from there to Costa Rica or did you have a sort of transitional period
1: I had a transitional period. I uh, learned also on that yoga teacher training the experience of if you were to, like, I, I basically tried to kind of get around one of ayahuasca's very clear mm. guidelines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, one of the things she said was for the next six months, don't work with any plant medicine. Mm-hmm. And the last day of our retreat or the training, was a San Pedro cactus vision quest mm-hmm. that I was very excited for. Mm-hmm. And I had convinced myself that it would be okay to take half a cup. I was doing this whole negotiating thing, knowing mm-hmm. that I shouldn't, according mm-hmm. to her her guidance. And the day before that vision quest, I sprained my ankle so badly that I was on crutches for the next couple of weeks. Uh. So that was a beautiful way to get me almost bedridden, you know, to get me to slow down. And I uh, stayed in Peru for the next month-ish, and healed, mm-hmm. um, and really dove in, did more inner work, did integration from the, the teacher training, uh, ended a relationship that that was also kind of imploding at the time all this was happening. And I got really clear at one point it was, I was done with Peru. I needed to leave that place that I was in. It just was, the energy had shifted. And I, on a whim looked at flights and there was a really, it was a promotion for a flight from Peru to Costa Rica, of mm-hmm. course. And
0: made it easy. Yeah. So I'm curious, what's your, what's your experience of receiving guidance from ayahuasca or mm-hmm. other plant spirits? Mm-hmm. Um, cause sometimes, yeah, we talk about receiving messages or hearing what she says to us and i think that's worth talking about like what is what is that actual experience like
1: yeah this is a great thing to speak on because i think it's different for everyone Mm -hmm. um so a lot of times for me it's a feeling um for example if i was if i was in my second ceremony I was feeling ayahuasca moving around my heart and so I would start kind of rubbing my heart and then that would initiate some other feeling of kind of dancing with my arms um and I would get this this movement this flow this fluid movement feels good and healing and this more like rigid shaking kind of fast movement doesn't feel healing mm-hmm. and that's i mean that kind of a maybe a weird example but those are you don't sit and have those inquiries on your day-to-day life mm-hmm. you know you don't I don't have that connection with my felt experience that often and it taught me how to move in a way that's nourishing for me mm-hmm. and sometimes and how I can move in ways that are more jarring for my nervous system mm-hmm. and then um I personally just receive a lot of um guidance, I guess, from other sources that's heard in a sense, mm-hmm. in more of my, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was basically having conversations with her and I was asking questions and then I would hear the response.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a hard, I find it a hard thing to describe yeah. how, how I receive messages or guidance from ayahuasca, I find uh, ayahuasca to be particularly vocal, vocal in quotes, because mm. it's for me, it's not really like a voice mm-hmm. that I hear. Um, it's just kind of a knowingness. Right. I mean, yeah, it's very, it's very abstract, I think, to people who haven't had the experience. Right. If somebody was telling me this before I had the experience, <laughs> it'd be like, okay, you listen to plants. Right. You know, but really they're, there's just, there's something that comes through. There's an an intelligence that's Mm -hmm. somehow inside of my experience behind my closed eyes in my mind, or I honestly, I don't even really know where it's coming from, but Mm -hmm. it's just there. Mm -hmm. And, um, for me, it kind of shines a spotlight on certain parts of things that I already know it brings things into the forefront of my attention that maybe were in the background of like hey here's this thing that is causing a disruption in your life that you've been you know mostly subconsciously ignoring but also consciously ignoring because every time it comes up push it away push Mm -hmm. it away to the side push it away to the side Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: it just it'll just take that from the side of my psyche and move it direct and center right And, you know, sometimes I am even resistant in that moment. If it's something that is particularly painful or something that I have resistance to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I will try to not proud of this, but it's something that happens. You know, still in that moment when it's bringing it to my attention, I may not want to look at it. And that's when things can start to turn. It's like that's and I've learned from those experiences, too, like. To trust the trust the guidance right. of ayahuasca, because and and it kind of breaks down my own ego of like I know it's better, I know it's best, mm-hmm. you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm running the show, um, but it's pretty, it's it's amazing to be in touch with an intelligence that's plant based that is more intelligent than me, mm-hmm. and knows more about me than me. That's very humbling. Because you know we're very much conditioned to think we're the most intelligent species on the planet or in the universe, even or we we just don't know better. Right. But yeah, it's very humbling to to, and over time I've learned that you know this is a an intelligent presence that I should trust. If it brings something to me, Mm -hmm. that I should listen and I should really pay attention.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you, you ended up going to Costa Rica
2: mm-hmm.
0: and did you, so you, you got the guidance that you were going there to experience pleasure and to like tap into more of the joyful, blissful side mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you know how that was going to shape out or, um, it just, uh, unra- uh revealed itself to you?
1: Yeah, I was I was very much in a flow, the flow state of traveling where planning ahead was not a big part of my thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I uh, I I got there, didn't really know where I was going. I ended up making my way over to this small town called Nosara and I did a Panchakarma, which is an Ayurvedic um an Ayurvedic cleansing and nourishing and it's basically a three-week deep dive where you um your food you get a lot of body work and you turn internal so you're not really out in the world very much and um that that experience really re-nourished me I think in Peru I was physically depleted um from all of the deep work I was doing and and Peru to me especially the sacred valley it it has a, a masculine energy you're in the middle of these major mountains that's where I went after my retreat which was in the jungle um you're in the middle of the Andes mountains and you're so high up that I was I was so connected to source I was getting these downloads every day and meditating a lot and doing a lot of inner work and uncovering the shadow and that kind of Yeah, just that journey. Um, And then Costa Rica was this feminine, lush, mama earth, you know, green jungle, ocean, blue sky, warm, humid energy. Um, And so it felt like this way of re-nourishing and kind of healing from a different, another energy, another angle.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Hmm. Okay. And so... So you're out there having these brand new experiences and kind of opening and bursting into this new way of being for yourself. Mm -hmm. And at what point did you realize that this was your new path? Was that kind of immediately apparent or at what point did you realize that you want to? Because as I understand it, you're applying your corporate skills of being a planner to Mm -hmm. now facilitate this kind of opening for other people.
1: Right. Um, It was a very organic process. I think I'm still, you know, just in the past few months getting more and more real with myself that I'm I'm doing this and this was, um, you know, I have a business around this. It it just happened so organically. Um, And it started because after my six months of no plant medicine was up and after I finished the Panchakarma and got more settled in Costa Rica, I started reconnecting with cacao and i had this whole ritual of getting up in the morning making my cacao going to the beach spending two hours just with myself and the beach and it was so so healing and um i started sharing about that on mostly on instagram some on facebook and there was so much energy. It was like a magnet. It was, people were so curious about cacao. And mm-hmm. even, even not on Instagram, even in real life, I would walk to the beach and I would run into people on the path and I would have my cup and they would just kind of look, they'd be like, what, what is that? What are you mm-hmm. drinking? It's not coffee, you know, and, mm-hmm. or, oh my God, you're glowing. What, what is, what's going on here? Um, and so I, I started to just experience this magnetic quality and people were hungry for cacao Mm -hmm. and um eventually I started getting so many questions and I was you know answering one-on-one and um trying to help people get started working with cacao via Instagram direct message and uh a lot of other things happened but eventually I it was clear that I had something I had some knowledge that people were really curious about and uh it was healing me so much that and it wanted to be shared. Like cacao really wants to, to be shared broadly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right now. It's so it's so powerful, and it's also, I mean, the perfect kind of introduction to the, the way of medicinal plants. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it's it's not, it's not overwhelming at all. I right. mean, it, it, you can still have very powerful experiences, but like you know, like I said, it's not psychedelic it's just, it's just raw chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great entry point to, to having a deeper experience of the self. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I wonder, do you have a sense of this unfolding psychedelic Renaissance that seems to have a strong root in the Bay area mm-hmm. that, uh, a lot of the corporate world and especially the tech industry is like microdosing, mm-hmm. you know, especially programmers, microdosing on LSD or microdosing on um, psilocybin. Um, Steve Jobs famously credited LSD with some of his sort of uh, the power behind some of his inspirations and innovations. And I grew up in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley, but I'm not really in touch with it Mm -hmm. now. Do you kind of still maintain connections there? Do you have a sense of what's going on in Silicon Valley as far as people opening to new ways of being or plant medicines or yoga or things, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, you know, speaking about Google, cause that's what I know. I mean, the, the founders are progressive and a lot of the leaders are progressive. You know, there's a lot of burning man camps with all the Google execs mm-hmm. and, um, I think they do value this freedom and this exploration um, and out-of-the-box thinking in a lot of ways. So, you know, they have an incredible yoga program and mindfulness program and classes that you can take. And um, I've been seeing more and more around, not for Google specifically, but um, in the Silicon Valley world, there's now retreats tailored to executives to working with ayahuasca wow yeah there's a company Going down doing to that.
0: peru yeah mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. and so there's there's you know that silicon valley thing of boost your productivity 10x yeah. tap into your creativity with right these medicines
0: yeah and there's they're so powerful for that and yeah I, I wonder what's, what's going on in the rest of the country, the rest of the world, like, because there really does seem to be a switching on that's gradually Mm -hmm. happening and a momentum that's gradually happening, uh, on the scientific front, the research front, on the social front. And in so many ways, um, and it's finding its way into mainstream culture, mainstream media in subtle ways Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, I think it's only going to continue. I think, you know, as more research is done, we're going to, for those who need to know Mm -hmm. and satisfy the mind first, since we are a culture that's geared in that direction prominently. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for some of these, for more studies to come out and to show tangibly like, Oh, this is what's happening pharmacologically. This is like, you know, studies have shown that this is positive, having a positive effect, but Mm -hmm. I think for those pioneers who are just kind of like jumping on on the train, jumping on board, it's pretty obvious Mm -hmm. that um, when used properly and when used in a ceremonial context, which I always recommend, I think is very important to use them intentionally and not recreationally, but with a specific purpose in mind Mm -hmm. for getting in touch with creativity or um, working through pain and blockages in order to be more available, like energetically a more open, honest person. Mm -hmm. Um, it's pretty obvious the the effect and benefit. Um, and I think it's obvious to everyone else too, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I can clearly see when, when somebody, when a friend of mine has been gone doing deep work, maybe I haven't even I'm not even aware of what they've been doing, but Mm -hmm. they come back and they have that glow, that radiance. And it's pretty clear that a change has occurred.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's tapping into, like you said, the higher intelligence and accessing, you know, there's so much of our DNA and our brains that we're not even utilizing. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe plants are helping us activate some other pathways. Totally. Within.
0: Yeah. So, Um, have you had, did you have any out-of-body experiences in your ayahuasca journeys and or, um, did you, was that the only time that you drank ayahuasca or have you done some retreats since then?
1: I've done, um, I, the following year, I actually led a retreat with my friend Maggie Mm -hmm. for a company. Um, and we, we had women come to Peru And we worked with an incredible maestra and a woman named Carolina that live in Peru and they, they hold, um, they work specifically with women in ayahuasca. So Mm -hmm. I drank in two more ceremonies, um, and out of body experiences, you know, the one that comes to mind is actually from cacao, um, It was my second ceremony, so after I'd gotten back from Mexico and was just looking for anything I could find cacao-related. And I uh, was in a ceremony. It was very different. She basically gave us a cacao, put on some music, and turned the lights off, and we laid down. So it was a much more kind of journey. And I I saw cacao was kind of gave me her hand I saw her in an embodied more of an embodied form and she led me through a lot of past lives and a lot of future lives and I just got all these glimpses um and I got a connect I got to see my spirit animals a jaguar and a puma and how they were with me through all my lives and yeah it was it was a very it was the first time I'd ever had that sort of vision visual experience um because I wasn't really on the path, you know, before that. So it was mm-hmm. it was a very profound and strong vision.
0: Mm-hmm. How did the spirit of cacao appear to you? So, like, um, what did she look like? If yeah, it was kind of yeah,
1: yeah. So she was in front of me, and I mostly saw her back. So she was in a white dress, had long hair, um, long dark hair, had um, you know brown, like chocolatey colored skin and she just was giving her like her hand was extended her arm was extended back to me just kind of like take my hand we're gonna we're gonna go
0: yeah yeah wow i was curious if you were gonna say um she was wearing a dress like she was Mm -hmm. a woman wearing a dress because that is a story that um many people report when they see the plant spirits Mm -hmm. appear to them they Mm -hmm. they appear most some of the plant spirits are men but more of them seem to be women and they're wearing like very colorful dresses Mm -hmm. and a a good friend of mine who he started studying in the amazon in 1996 and has been on the path since and done over a thousand ceremonies and he he has described experiences of not being in ceremony but in the day between ceremony just being in his hut laying in his hammock um, you know, just resting mm-hmm. and there was a woman and sitting in the chair singing to him mm. and just she didn't appear like he thought it was a real woman. He mm. thought it was, you know, as tangible as the rest of physical reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he later came to realize that she, she was the spirit of the plant that he had been dieting at the time. Wow. I think it was chuchuasi but I can't quite mm-hmm. recall. So that's interesting that there there's a common experience there. Of, mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, we... Western society, we classify... I mean, ayahuasca is illegal in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's co- classified as a hallucinogen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... From my experiences, I, I'm starting to push back against this idea of hallucinogens or that there are these hallucinations. Mm. It, it's very curious when... Many, many people share a common hallucination right It's like well
2: mm.
0: y- you know are is it real or not uh, mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know that that's even the right way to go about it. is it real or not mm-hmm. um, that's kind of still that left brain right what is rational real? way what is real trying to determine what is real yeah but I'm certainly inclined to think that there's um there's a phenomenon going on that maybe we don't quite understand, but And yeah, the plant spirits appearing as women in dresses, is just just one of many, Mm -hmm. um, but there's many, many things that people experience that, um, don't exist in the physical realm or exist in the way that we normally experience them. Mm -hmm. But there does seem to be this other, this other plane that I think is fully as real as this plane. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's ways to tap into that without psychedelic plants, but mm-hmm. the psychedelics certainly open a window to it.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And when you think about plants, I mean, they're connected into the earth, you know, like there's, there can be an ayahuasca vine growing in one part of the jungle and another one growing in another part of the jungle. And I think that's what we're tapping into in a way that, um, know if i'm explaining that right but we're as humans we're we're moving we're walking around but um when many humans are working with same plants you know cannabis or ayahuasca or mushrooms or you know these all come from the earth and there's such a wealth of intelligence it's almost like we're we're plugging into the earth through those plants Mm -hmm. um and that's able we're able to access those other dimensions yeah yeah
0: yeah and um terence mckenna thought that there's a sort of repository of experience and information that these plants can connect you to mm. and that when you eat psilocybin mushrooms for example you are connecting to like a psychic well of human experience of everyone else who Mm -hmm. has ever experienced mushrooms. And that was one of his many theories. And, uh, he's, he he just kind of throws theories out there, but it's a fun idea certainly Mm -hmm. to think about. And I think I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know about that particular one, but there certainly is an experience of tapping into something deeper. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, There's, um, there's maybe what could be described as like a neural network that exists that connects human minds Mm -hmm. of some kind of collective field, collective consciousness Mm -hmm. experience that, uh, is able to be accessed through expanded states of consciousness, be them psychedelic or not. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, um... Do you have any particular, um, stories or cases of like breakthroughs that you have witnessed with people that you've helped bring to ceremony or bring to this path? Um, I guess kind of like, um, yeah, highlight examples of maybe people like yourself that you've, you've witnessed an an unfolding occur in. Mm
1: -hmm. I've witnessed some really big shifts, um, around financial abundance for people um the retreat that I mentioned that I led last year uh there's a couple of women that are therapists and they have both reported that when they do when they work with ayahuasca um they always see an increase in client requests mm. following the weeks after and I've seen um you know someone go from being buried in student loans and and just kind of hardly able to keep up with bills and to to now making six figures um Mm. doing her her dharma her path um and it's been so incredible to watch that that embodiment which i think is a lot of what this work does it helps us bring our helps us get more into our bodies Mm -hmm. and so that we can actually tangibly create what we're here to create. Um, I've seen some beautiful healing work around abuse. A lot of women in my field have been having repressed memories surface of abuse from this lifetime and from their childhood. And um, they've been able to do incredible healing work that is starts off as just themselves independently and now it's it's including their family and their whole family uh network is transforming because this this shadow is being brought to light Mm -hmm. um that's really incredible i've also i lead a an online course to teach people how to work with cacao and um it's really been beautiful to see the people a lot of people have uh decided to leave their jobs um, in pursuit of what their heart has been guiding them to do for a while. Mm-hmm. So it's helped them get more in tune with their heart and have the, the courage and confidence and trust that if they follow that, they'll be rewarded and mm-hmm. in flow.
2: Yeah.
0: It's exciting. Yeah, I, I'm very excited about this growing and emerging field because personally, I think this is the way that we are going to get closer to each other as human beings, get closer to ourselves. This mm-hmm. is the way that we're we're going to find the motivation and the power to solve the world's problems. Mm. Personally, I don't think it's going to be political. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think that um, a lot of what you'll find on the news headlines. Oh, this is good. This is bad. Mm. I think that the path. The path forward is the path inward and that every single person, you know, every person who does decide to, um, get more in touch with themselves and do what we call shadow work Mm -hmm. here. Shadow work sounds scary, but you know, like the, um, psychologist, Carl Jung, he thought that the The only way to greater lightness is through the darkness, that you you can't run from your shadow. You mm-hmm. have to integrate your shadow. Mm-hmm. You have to get really in touch with it because those are just the shadow. There's, I had one insight in an in ayahuasca ceremony where I was just inquiring as to the nature of the shadow. Like, mm. what is this even? What is the shadow? Mm-hmm. What is this darkness that I feel? And the insight that came back is that really there there's no such thing as darkness Mm -hmm. there's only that which we do not see Mm -hmm. that there's only that which has not yet been illuminated Mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of perspective Mm, i love that yeah wow and so when we talk about our shadow and our shadow work really these are just parts of ourselves that are not yet illuminated, are not yet loved, mm-hmm. they're rejected, denied, shamed, what what have you. Mm-hmm. There's pain around around them. And because there's pain around it and pain hurts, we might tend to avoid those areas of the self. Right. But by finding the courage to go to those places and inquire and start to go into there and bring attention and and bring care and bring healing and release Mm -hmm. we actually illuminate a further part of ourselves and we gain more accessibility to who we are Mm -hmm. more understanding Mm -hmm. more power Mm -hmm. and we become more powerful
2: yeah
0: and um i think that's the way forward you know for for and it's available for each individual, mm-hmm. um, and I think that the more individuals who, you know, come to this way, we're going to find ourselves in a stronger collective.
1: Absolutely, and it's there's this quote coming to me. I don't know who it's by, but the the fear of suffering is often worse than the suffering itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just this, totally we make it this huge major thing and. Mm-hmm. It's always such a beautiful release and we're so much lighter on the other side Mm -hmm. once we can get there
0: The mind is so tricky Mm -hmm. like how it convinces it's just us. It's it's my own mind but can can very convincingly craft an illusion and a story of Mm -hmm. the way things are Yeah, like hundred percent. This is just the way things are right and um You know, you might fall along that path your entire life. I'm sure there's definitely parts of my mind that are still not illuminated to the Mm -hmm. story of the way things are. Um, But it's a, yeah, it's a process Mm -hmm. and it takes a while. Right. You got to chip away at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So something else we can talk about is, um, we touched on it earlier, but finding the right facilitators Mm -hmm. and we can also talk about like just proper use of psychedelic plants, ceremonial use of psychedelic plants, Um, because they are very powerful tools and they can help us to get in touch with our shadow and grow, become more Mm -hmm. powerful. But there's definitely a, there's definitely a proper way to go about it. And, um, the roadmap has been laid for us by Indigenous peoples from all over the world who have intact shamanic um, cultures and practices.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And unfortunately, we largely do not in Western society. We've largely forgotten it. There is some roots in maybe like a Celtic or a pagan past, but it's largely been stamped out by organized religion and and other things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think we're coming back to an understanding, even if it's th- just through science as a beginning, mm-hmm. we're coming back to an understanding of the value of the shamanic way. And, and I think it's also showing us how much of our sickness, bodily sickness, mental sickness, societal issues are stemming from the way that we think the perspective that we hold the story that we carry Mm -hmm. collectively as a culture of Mm -hmm. the way things are or the way things should be. So, yeah, I just want to get your, what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and, um, how do you, how do you go about ceremony or how have you been taught and instructed and shown to go about ceremony? the proper way that Mm -hmm. really is most conducive to a beneficial experience. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I'll start specifically, I think, with the ayahuasca world because it is growing so much. And um, there's a lot of people now offering ayahuasca experiences in so many varied ways. Um, But back to kind of what you were saying about, you know, we don't, the Western world, we don't really have much of a culture and um, I do feel that it's, if you are able, if you have the means to seek out an indigenous person from the lineage that, there's multiple lineages that have worked with ayahuasca for thousands of years, and it's so amazing that they're still around today. So the Shipibo is the one that I've sat with. There's um, many in Brazil, and if you have the means to experience ayahuasca in that, in that setting, um, I highly encourage it. It's really a way that we can honor and acknowledge the the Indigenous people that have survived and have carried the lineage through. Because so much of um, what's happened with colonization has been to stamp out any form of otherness mm-hmm. that's not in in the prescribed religion. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, that's the work we we do on our retreat is to connect. People from west, women from Western culture, to you know, should people Maestra and people in Peru doing this work, and we work at a Peruvian retreat center, so it's just our way to kind of have a complete circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, just it's I can't stress enough how important it is to know the facilitators and to know. Um, ideally, you know someone that sat with them that you really respect their opinion and they had uh, a well-held experience. It's not about having a good experience, quote-unquote. It's about feeling adequately prepared, feeling clear energy in this space, feeling that the facilitators are in integrity. um, Feeling safe. Feeling safe, yeah. Yeah. There's there's the dark side to the ayahuasca world where it's becoming a business. It's, Mm -hmm. It's that business energy. And there are also, even in... Peru and in the places where this medicine comes from there are kind of dark shamans totally. that are really scary and yeah. you don't when you don't know what you're getting into you don't speak the language maybe that's also something to be really careful about yeah um so yeah it's really just an awareness and then the integration too that's a piece that I personally felt wasn't held in my yoga teacher training um we had these incredible ceremonies, and then just went back on business as usual. There was no processing time as a group. There was no group support. It was, it wasn't held in the way that I, I, I believe this work can be so much more impactful, and you can have a more supported experience around the the deep depths that you're going into. Mm-hmm. Um. So integration is a big one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's often not highlighted as mm-hmm. much as the actual experience itself. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I think it's super important to leave yourself an adequate amount of time after the experience to really take it in, mm-hmm. in a normal state of consciousness Yeah, and to discern where, where are these changes going to take place and how are you gonna implement them as well? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had this experience, I know many other people have too, of having a deep insight or, or having a new way of being for myself, be impressed upon me. Mm-hmm. And although I never will forget that lesson, um, I've drifted away from it, mm-hmm. where I'll just get back into regular life regular activities. And it feels so clear in that moment that I could never like, uh, I'm cha- I'm changed forever. Right. Uh, I can never go back. Mm-hmm. And there are cases where I, I didn't go back, but there's also cases where I did, where yeah. I just drifted back to an old pattern of thought or what have you, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And the solution to that I've found is to really take the time to, to understand where was I before the ceremony? Where am I now? And kind of go back and track that path of like, you know, what, what, what is that, what is that connection? How did I get from where I, where I am right now in clarity Mm -hmm. to that place of confusion? Mm -hmm. What, you know, what are the signs of slipping back? And, and yeah, just sometimes doing some things like writing Mm -hmm. or, or some, some other way to really kind of like, um anchor that into into myself
1: absolutely and and patience I mean you said time it's it's almost as if our human our humanness needs to catch up sometimes you Mm -hmm. know we come out of these transformational experiences and it's like okay I'm moving to Costa Rica tomorrow or you know we have we want it to happen now because we can see it so clearly um and that can be really jarring to our our human body and our nervous system you know Mm -hmm. there's there is a, a natural time for things to unfold. Right. And we need to honor that at self care.
0: Yeah. hmm. Yeah. There's definitely an organic unfolding and, um, it's, it's funny how quickly we can jump back into Western impulsivity, <laughs> you know, especially if that's a, a deep pattern of that individual. Mm. And yeah, that kind of just that, na- that path of nature, uh, Mm-hmm. The quiet and stillness that you might f- you might have felt on that walk right to the lagoon to There's a way to bring that into the self Um and to Did this camera turn off? Yes, okay. It does that sometimes um, Yeah, there we go Yeah, okay, so kind of lost my train of thought there <laughs> Um, okay. So where, where, where are you now? What's going on with you now? Um, Mm. you're three years into this journey. Mm Um, I'm personally, it's impressive that just three years ago you were not on the path at all. And you're like, I mentioned, I'm, I kind of, I'm more resistant. I think Mm. like it takes me a little bit longer to, I don't know why I just have a natural resistance to like, I kind of, hold onto the sides, I have a, it's hard for me to sort of just let go sometimes and uh, relinquish control mm-hmm. and drop into that flow state mm-hmm. to go in and out of it. Um, but it's cool that you're really committed to this, that you're just, you're like, well, you said you're still coming to terms with it, but you're, you're on the path. I mean, you're, yeah. you're doing this for yourself right. and for other people. Um, do you have, are you still very much in the feeling state of where it's going or do you have a sense?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a mix of both. Um, You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I do have that kind of corporate business background. And so I, I do have the business skills, a lot of them, not all of them, (laughs) lots of learning still, but I do have a lot of skills around planning and, you know, like foreseeing into the future, you know, what do I want? But um, things are shifting really quickly right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, energetically, I'm finding that those, plan- those longer term plans aren't as useful. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's a, almost like a request from the universe that I really open more and allow myself to trust the present moment and what's coming through and, and flow with that. Right. Um, so it's hard to balance those things. You know, it's like we're straddling between realities almost, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you still need to have food and a shelter and make money and live. Um, so where I'm at right now is I've gotten clarity on how the cacao journey and I've, Done about six courses right now, online courses to help people um, build a relationship with cacao as a personal practice. And I'm going to be launching, it might actually be the day this podcast releases releases on July 3rd. I'm going to be opening up uh, signups for my next course. And then I have the cacao circle, which is open to anyone that sat in ceremony with me before or taken the course. And that's a place to really practice holding space that's a really big part about ceremony you kind of touched on that earlier but um you know i I believe the the keys to ceremony are presence and being able to hold space for others so providing a safe space for people to share and go deep into their process and be clear on your energetic boundaries and um and the only way to really learn that is to experience it it's not really like a whiteboard course on holding space totally um and so that the cacao circle is a six um we have six ceremonies with the same dedicated group of people and we get to go deep together and we show up for each other um so that's exciting and then um the next step uh it's it's in the final stages but a local cacao maker, uh, and I are looking at offering an art of ceremony retreat training, Skillshare, you know, it's more a place for people to come together and share their, their art. Um, and so that will be in the fall. And, uh, and then there's this, the, speaking on the flow side of things, there's a lot coming through right now in my stepping into, a. My role as an ascension guide. So, um, you know, this is one of those ones that it's kind of hard to explain. I don't exactly know what it is or where it's going, Um, but I'm feeling this really strong energy of sharing more of what I'm understanding and and receiving around the collective energy and the collective shifts we're going through and how that can... We need that. We need as many people and um, support systems during these times because there's so much shifting so quickly and there's so much shadow coming up or
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that, um, I saw you post about that just mm-hmm. this week, I think, right? right? Yeah. So is that just like kind of the, the, it's just beginning. You don't really know. Like what what does that mean exactly? Do you know yet?
1: Well, so what I'm seeing is, um, I want to be able to share like offer one-on-one work with people, for example. I mean, I already have my cacao course, so I think that will weave into that. I'll be teaching more about Ascension and just, yeah, what's happening collectively there. I have some retreats in the works, so it'll work, it'll weave in there. But I do, you know, I want to put out more content and speak more about this. Maybe, probably on YouTube is my plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, just kind of start, getting this language out there for people to have a framework of what's happening and then help people from there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, Do you want to give out your social media, your Instagram? Where can people find you?
1: Yeah. So on Instagram I'm at Sina at uh, two underscores Maria.
0: Okay. S E N A S N A
1: underscore underscore Maria. Okay. Um, and then my website is dot mariacom
0: Cool. Yeah. Thanks so so much for coming on the show. It was, yeah, yeah it's good good to have you and good to meet you for the first time in this context and talk about these important important subjects.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great.
0: Thanks for listening. I want to let you guys know one way you can support the podcast. We are now live on iTunes. So if you go to iTunes and give us a five-star review or you want to write a review that will massively help the spread of this podcast because for the first eight weeks uh podcast is live i can get on the new and noteworthy list which is tremendously helpful because itunes is the number one platform for podcasts so if you have a minute or two and you want to do that i greatly appreciate it you can also find me on social media check out my instagram at chronicles of a psychonaut That's also my personal page. I'm probably not going to end up talking too much about my personal life on this podcast, besides my own experiences related to the conversation, because this podcast is not really about me, but my Instagram page partly is. So you can check me out there and see what I'm up to. You can also find us on Facebook at Chronicles of a Psychonaut and on Twitter at FinchCanFly. Thanks again. Tune in next week for episode three.